Good afternoon to you and yours. How are you? It is Thursday, the 22nd of June, 2023. And it is absolutely scorching out there today. It's scorching. It's gorgeous. Hope you're well and you're looking forward to the programme as am I. I've got a wonderful guest. She should have been with us yesterday, but hey-ho. Spit happens sometimes. Fiona Price joins the programme later on this hour. Don't miss her. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, I kind of had to turn myself down just a little bit there. I was a bit loud there, was I? A little bit loud. Yes, indeed. Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to reach out to the programme, do so via the app. There is an app. Use the app, download it, and send a message direct through to me at the studio here. Studio 2. I'm in Studio 2 today. Absolute. No, I'm not. I'm in Studio 1. Or you can leave me a message via the website, richieallen.co.uk. Either way, it's good with me. Yeah, Fiona Price is on the programme. How cool is that? I'm really looking forward to speaking with her. As I said, should have chatted yesterday. Didn't happen. But as I said, spit, shite, spit, shite, whatever shit happens, it happens. She's a remarkable lady. I mean, in every sense of the word. As um, her achievements are too numerous to mention here. Uh, psychology degree. Wow. International Athlete, two disciplines, rowing, equestrian endurance, serial entrepreneur, very successful. But for the last couple of years, she's been living on wheels, as she says, reinventing herself again, has Fiona Price. She wants to build uh, something known as the, well, something she describes as the Earth Collective, a self-sufficient eco-community that she wants to build or establish in Ireland. Now, she's also written a book, I should have said, author Two. Yes, it's entitled The Ultimate Relationship, The One With Yourself. And that's her story from the inside out. Spoke with her today. Lovely chat. Sounds like a lovely lady. Very unaffected for a high achiever. And we'll talk solutions. We'll talk spirituality and much more with Fiona. So that's nice for a Thursday, isn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm not getting fed up of the temper. I don't know about you. Well, I am. I am and I'm not. I am. It's beautifully bright and it's wonderful to see people happy and smiling in the temperatures but at the same time it's very warm in these old houses when you're trying to put together a radio show and you can't spend all day in the studio with the aircon because it's very expensive don't you know and that's all because of that bastard Vladimir Putin of course it isn't down to Vladimir Putin calm down Um, the Bank of England raised interest rate or raised the interest rate for the 13th time in a row here in the UK uh, by a half a percentage point to 5% now I I think we're far too advanced down the road for me to be talking about that with you in any great depth. I think we would agree. Correct me if I'm wrong. If we don't agree, I'll be only too glad to read out your opinions. But I think we would agree that uh, this is a wealth grab, isn't it? I mean, a, a grab for real wealth, like land and property. Now, I mean, what else are crises for? What else are these crises engineered for? Now, obviously... The Great Reset of Humanity, turning the planet into a technocratic, technological prison. Yes, I get that. But also, along the way, transfer wealth from the the great unwashed, you and me, unless you're one of the elitists and you're listening, good luck to you, but to transfer real wealth. So people will lose their homes. Landlords will lose the properties they currently let. We're all supposed to end up owning nothing. 
and we're supposed to end up liking it. So they raise interest rates. They say they do that to try and halt runaway inflation. No, it's nonsense. It's to take real wealth away from people, take everything we own and everything we hold dear, so that at some stage in the future, if you believe Mr. Klaus Schwab and his friends, they will come along to you and say, now we've taken everything you own and all you hold dear. How do you feel about that? And we'll go, fan dabby dozy, fan dabby dozy. Supposing they win and they won't win, I know they won't win, you know they won't win. And you know, ever since I was given a copy of the King James Bible by my friend Jean-Anne Crowley, for some reason, this is not a joke, this is not disrespectful. Please, I, I, I don't want to keep repeating this every time from now on in that I mention the King James Bible. There isn't a gag following that. I mean it. Ever since, and I've got it here in my hand again... I've got it here in my hand, the Bible. But every, ever since I've had the Bible in my possession, I am more, for some reason, for some reason, it's a mysterious book, more convinced than ever that we will win, even if it takes time. But just imagine we don't win. Imagine they win and take everything, but allow you to have just one item for yourself, just one indulgence. What would it be? For me, it would be me Scooby-Doo pyjamas or my father Ted box set. I can't make my mind up. Got to go with the Father Ted box head, right? At least he could laugh, despite the misery around you. Anyway, let's talk about something a bit more serious than that. What have I done? Have I put those clips in there at all? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't put the clips into the playout system. Hang on a moment while I transfer the clips to the playout system. It only takes a moment. Ordinarily, you see, a producer or an editor would do this for you. This type of job would be beneath a superstar DJ. If you ever come across a superstar DJ, please let me know and we will ask them if it's beneath them, really. But um, I've just done it. I think I've just done it. I don't know if you... Um, if you, you probably won't unless you're in Ireland. You probably won't pay any attention to News Talk. It's a national talk channel based in Dublin. It's got such luminaries as Pat Kenny. Yeah, broadcasting out of there. Yeah, I know. And they've got a breakfast duo, a pair of proper planks, Kira something or other, and I don't know the guy's name. But this morning, they had a madman on there. It's wonderful these days in commercial radio. You can just have madmen. Madmen, madmen. You can just have madmen. Just in, in, invite madmen and mad women on to talk, and Asher, who cares? This is a guy called John Gibbons. Not to be confused with the DJ John Gibbons, who presents the Alchemy podcast, which is brilliant. And John Gibbons is a brilliant DJ and a lovely fella. He's a good-looking fecker too, isn't he, John Gibbons? Pisses me off. He's got everything. Um, but this is another John Gibbons, an Irish journalist who writes for The Guardian sometimes. He's a climate nutter, a climate madman, dear listener. Let's have a listen to the madman. The first person you hear will be the presenter. A system of rationing should be introduced on the amount of uh, kilometres people can fly. A system of rationing to be introduced on the amount of kilometres that people fly. Now, of course, I didn't say fly, but I did say drive, didn't I? Yeah, the Baldy Gammon got it right just once, making Nostradamus-esque predictions. I got it right one time. That's when I said climate lockdowns. The only thing I was ever right about in my entire life. Let's hear more. That's the call from John Gibbons, environmental journalist and commentator. John, how would this work? Uh, good morning, Shane. Morning. Yeah, it's it's really a, an idea, and the idea, purpose of this really is, is to manage downwards uh, the amount of aviation that, that's happening at the moment. And, and Manage downwards the amount of aviation that's happening at the moment. Manage it downwards. To put this in context, Shane, for example, in 2019, which is the last year, if you like, before <coughs> COVID, we had 35 million passenger movements just through Dublin Airport. 
This is on an island with a population of 5 million people. 35 million passenger movements, not, in, not including their bowel movements. I wonder why he didn't think of that. Because when you make a bowel movement, you are contributing CO2 to the CO2 that's in the atmosphere. I don't know why he didn't, anyway. That's just Dublin Airport. So last year that rebounded to 28 million. This year it's expected probably to, to, to achieve pre-COVID levels. So we have an incredible level of aviation. Irish people are probably among the world's highest uh, in terms of regular flying. And you might say, well, yes, we're on an island and so on and so forth. But the fact is that nine out of 10 of the world's population have never set foot in an aircraft, <clears throat> will never set foot in an aircraft. And aviation, hour for hour, if you like, is the probably the, the most climate damaging thing any of us can do. The most climate damaging thing any of us can do. So what I'm really proposing here, or putting out there for discussion, is the idea, how do we manage this downwards in, a, in, a, in, a, in an equitable way? For example, at the moment, the reason why flying is so cheap is that because of a historical agreement dating all the way back to 1944, aviation is exempted from uh, the taxes and duties that the rest of us pay, for example, when you go to the filling station. So that's why aviation fuel, for example, is, is so ridiculously cheap. That makes it possible to have these uh, super cheap fares that in turn has stoked massive demand and, and really overuse of, of what is a very valuable uh, resource. Overuse of a very valuable resource, overuse of aviation, I don't know, I'd call it living, living life to the fullest, uh, exploring the world, meeting people, seeing other countries, beaches, mountains, skiing, I've never done skiing myself. Um, it's been a wonderful thing for humanity, hasn't it? A wonderful thing for people to be able to get across the planet and see how the other half live. It's not an overused resource. It's a gift, isn't it? So my suggestion, again, is first, wait. first of all, if this guy is such an idiot. He's actually nervous. He keeps swallowing, swallowing his spit. His mouth is drying up because he knows this is bollocks. If we were to attach a ration to every person's uh, either PPS number or passport number. Do you have a number in, in mind? Yeah, the number that I that I pitched uh, in the Irish Examiner on this, Shane, was just to suggest a 1,500 kilometre quota per annum, right? 1,500 kilometre per annum. Now, I got this before he says it. That's about one flight a year. And it's probably, it's like in, from, from, from a UK point of view, 1,500 kilometres, that's probably once to the Costa del Sol and back a year. So the idea is basically that's your standard quota. But that, would, that would basically get you from Dublin to Paris and back. Uh, once a year. So the idea is that, that that's, if you like, your, your standard allocation for a year. Now, beyond that, uh, what I'm suggesting is that your next 1,500 kilometres would attract a 200 euro uh, levy to offset some of the costs associated with that, the carbon costs associated with that. Yeah, so if you want to go back to Spain, you know, 200 quid on top of whatever you need to pay to get back to Spain and we'll use that 200 quid to offset some of the carbon you're creating by going to Spain the second time. These really are madmen, these people. It gets even worse, this. Where do you hear this? You know this will go down like a, a lead balloon. balloon. <laughs> Absolutely, Shane. And I suppose I'm really looking at the face of my co-presenter, Kira Kelly. She looks horrified here beside I've me. Well, nothing less would do. Absolutely. And the issue here really is, that, and it's, it comes down to this, right? We either accept that we're in a climate emergency. But we're not. And therefore, we act as if we're in an emergency. But we're not. And we figure out ways in an emergency situation to, to basically get ourselves out of this hole. Or... Out of what fuck? Out of what hole? 
We pretend we're in a climate emergency and we continue doing exactly as we're doing. And as the science tells us, we head straight for okay. disaster. Uh, uh, straight for disaster. A fair point. People will it's not a fair point, dickhead. Your job as the presenter is to challenge this bunkum, this junk science. There isn't any emergency. It's warm at the moment because it's summertime. It's what happens during the summer. It gets to mid-twenties in the UK and in Ireland. It's a bit muggy, a bit sticky. It'll piss it down tomorrow, probably. It'll probably chuck it down in the middle of next week. It'll last for another few weeks, and not even that. And then in August, we'll be cold, and we'll be saying, what happened to climate change? Challenge it, man. Do they have no cojones, these presenters? Challenge it. We'll say, we live on an island. We're absolutely hugely dependent on tourism. We are. Well, not we. I don't live in Ireland anymore. But Ireland is heavily dependent on tourism. Uh, If we do something like this, it will disproportionately affect Ireland. It will disproportionately affect affect people's livelihoods. I understand that argument. And I think think it's it's difficult. I I come back to it again, Shane. I don't have an answer for you. Yes, by, by going my way and by rationing the amount that people can fly, I'm going to fucking destroy the economy in Ireland. That's right, Shane. Yes, yes. But I go back to the fact that we're in an emergency, Shane. We're in an emergency. So we've got to do it. We've got to commit economic suicide because we're in an emergency. And I, I'm sorry to repeat the point. We're in an emergency situation <laughs> yes, here. Uh, and we have to begin to look at choices. For example, I don't know if any of your listeners have noticed, but the North Atlantic is heating up at an insane rate at the moment. And I don't know if any of your listeners have noticed, but the North Atlantic is heating at an insane rate. No, it isn't. It's summertime. It's uh, June 22nd. It was 21st of June yesterday, the longest summer solstice. It was warm. It's warm everywhere. Europe is enjoying warm weather at the moment. High pressure. It's called high pressure. It's a a high pressure system. And this is not driven by CO2. This is driven by the sun. That big, great, flamey ball in the sky is driving the temperature rises on planet Earth in the northern hemisphere at the moment because it's summertime. Absolutely insane rate. We don't know what is in store for us, even in 2023, never mind 2024. We don't know what's in store for us this year, let alone next year, or let alone this year. So, you know, the question really is, what do we do? And yeah. the- There's nothing we can do because the sun drives climate change. The, and I find, Shane, every time we suggest, well, we, maybe we should limit this or that, what you hear is a thousand reasons why we can't do anything. And for the last 30 years, as this emergency has been amping up, what we've all we've managed to do is to explain to ourselves and one another all the wonderful reasons why we shouldn't act. And all the re- You've seen Game of Thrones, right? You've watched Game of Thrones. You know season five when Cersei Lannister, the Queen Mother, um, the incestuous um, queen, when she is kidnapped by the seven, the religious sect, who live at King's Landing, the religious lunatics who kidnap Cersei and Queen Marjorie and lock them up and eventually force her to walk naked through the streets of King's Landing. That's who these people sound like. I I don't say that as a gag. I don't want you to laugh at that. But they are lunatics, these people. Because I was listening carefully to John Gibbons today. I'm looking for signs that he is basically shilling for this agenda as opposed to genuinely believing it. And this idiot believes it. He is a lunatic, an absolute lunatic. And um, I'm not looking to get sued, but I'd go to court with him. You know, it might be libelous to accuse somebody of being insane. I don't know. But this is absolute lunacy. But he believes it. So I tend to kind of let guys like him off the hook. 
because he's bought into it. Reasons like we're on an island, we're this, that and the other. I mean, we also have boats off this island. I know that might come as a shock to some people, but there's actually pretty good ferry services too. From yeah, our- what do you think the ferries run on? Solar power? There are ferries, that's right. Brittany ferries, Irish ferries, Sea Link. Is Sea Link still in operation? God be with the days, right? Going to Fishguard. Going to Fishguard from Waterford. Well, not from Waterford, from Wexford. From uh, Rosslare to Fishguard. That was some trip that. God, Fishguard's a toilet. Um, then so is Rosslare, to be honest. Let's be honest about it while we're talking about it. Um, but ferries, as far as I know, they use diesel, right? And you want to get rid of diesel. So what are you going to do? Going to get electric ferries? Ireland uh, to, to the continent. So I guess my question is, I'm not for a moment suggesting that we, that we do away with aviation. I'm merely saying, Shane, that it's a... Th- that the wealthy can have aviation because the wealthy won't give a fuck about paying a £200 levy once they go over their 1,500 kilometres. You know, Bill Gates won't care, will he? And that idiot, that former vice president clown, Al Gore. Let me skip on a little bit because this is getting tiresome. But he says them um, something. When it, when now that we're getting to the crisis point, right, as people are starting to die in large numbers on this. Jesus Christ, people are not dying in large numbers because the weather's getting warmer. People at home listening to me think this is crazy stuff. No, we think you're crazy. What I'm suggesting here is actually a modest proposal, if I can use Swift's term. This is a very modest proposal. No, it's tyranny. It's tyranny to tell people that they can only travel as much as you allow them to travel or that you will price them out of it. That's tyranny to prevent somebody going about their business or to put obstacles in their way based on some religious, some completely insane, religious, evangelical, whatever you want to call it. That's tyranny, isn't it? Right, listen to what he says now. This won't kill anybody. It'll just discommode some people. What it'll mostly do is save lives over time. As I say, aviation as a source of emissions is the fastest growing source of emissions worldwide. Every flight that you take is killing people in the future. Every flight that you take is killing people in the future. When I heard that today, I thought of Back to the Future. I thought of Doc Brown and Marty in the DeLorean flying around. And What's happened, Doc? We've arrived in 2025 and some of my relatives are not here. What happened? Well, Marty, we skewed the timeline back in 2003 because we, we took too many flights, Marty. Every time you take a flight, it kills one of your relatives in the future. Guy's a madman. And the Muppet presenting for News Talk didn't challenge a single thing. Anyway, let's leave that lunatic alone. Guess who gave evidence to the COVID inquiry today? You won't believe it. It's over to Sky News, Jane Secker. Now, England's chief medical officer, Professor Sir Chris Whitty, has warned that the abuse some people received during the pandemic could damage the government's ability to bring experts together in the future. So Chris became known as one of the best known figures of the government's COVID briefings and has been giving evidence to the COVID inquiry. Our health correspondent, Ashish Joshi, is there. Uh, What else did he say, Ashish? He began his evidence by paying tribute to the families of the bereaved. Even before he gave evidence, Professor Sir Chris Whitty said that he had worked as a doctor through the pandemic and he had seen the suffering on the COVID wards firsthand. So he uh, praised... Whitty told the inquiry that he had worked on the COVID wards during the pandemic and seen the suffering on those wards. Keep that in mind. The bereaved families and passed on his condolences to them. And then he went on to talk about the difficulty faced by some scientists as they worked through the pandemic, often facing a great deal of hostility and not 
really being given the credit for um, the work that they were doing. And he, of course, as he was reminded by uh, the, the QC for the inquiry, he was on the, uh, the end of some of these hostilities when he was attacked as he walked through St. James's Park in the summer of 2021. And, and the, the men there, who you can see in this video, who recorded the incident, one of the men was sent to jail for eight weeks. So, so Chris Whitty talking about uh, his own experience on the receiving end of some of the hostilities received by some of the, the scientists working to try and bring this pandemic to an end. You know, some of the scientists received a bit of hostility from the public because the public, or a lot of the public anyway, knew that they were being sold a red herring and that the scientists were telling lies, lying through their teeth. Yes, yeah, some bloke was sent to jail for eight weeks for grabbing Witty in a bear hug and filming it and laughing at him and grabbing him around the neck. I do remember that. All right, eight weeks he got for being a bit drunk and a bit stupid. Anyway, if I got eight weeks for every time I was drunk and stupid, I would have spent the best part of the last 20 years in prison myself, to be honest. Go on, Chris Whitty. You know what I'd love to do with Chris Whitty? I've had a fantasy. I've, I've had a dream about this. Have you ever seen The Untouchables with uh, Bob De Niro? I call him Bob, friend of mine. Robert De Niro. Have you ever seen The Untouchables? He plays Al Capone in it. Kevin Costner. It's a very good film, if you haven't seen it. And there's a dinner where Robert De Niro commits an unspeakable murder. Remember, the dinner. I'd love to be behind Chris Whitty with an aluminium baseball bat pacing behind him. Or a Hurley. Or a Hurley. Remember that speech? Remember that scene? He's pacing behind him, Robert De Niro, and he says, a man becomes preeminent. Remember that? A man becomes preeminent. He's expected to have enthusiasms. Remember that? What are mine? What draws me admiration? What is it that gives me joy? Hurling. A man stands alone in centre field. This is the time for, for what? For individual achievement. There he stands alone. But in the field. What? Part of a team. Teamwork. Hooks, pokeouts, catches, hand passes. Part of one big team. Hurls himself the live long day. Henry Shefflin. John Milan, Dan the Man Shanahan, DJ Carey, Mickey Mackey, Limerick, Jimmy Barry Murphy, and so on. If his team don't field, what is he, you follow me? No one, sunny day, the stands are full of fans, simple stadium. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself, but I get nowhere unless the team wins. And then bosh, baseball bat down on the back of Chris Whitty's head, spaghetti round, end of story. I need to see a doctor with these sick fantasies. It's a great scene that De Niro with the baseball bat. Yeah, just substitute the bat for a hurley and off you go. 23 minutes past the hour. I don't even have time to do the rest of the monologue because I've been talking such nonsense. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show. I'm in BBG Towers in Salford. Tis nice to be with you, to be with you nice. Davy asks me, have I any clue how Greta got on at the Mansion House in Dublin last night? No idea at all, Davy. It's a good question, though. Greta had conferred upon her cherubic little face the freedom of the city of Dublin. Debris from the submarine has been found, according to Mike. Is that right, Mike? That submarine story got old very quickly, didn't it? I mean, nobody wouldn't have a little bit of empathy for some Egypt's trapped two and a half miles down in a submarine. But, I mean, the coverage it got like. Huh? I mean, nobody knew. I mean, yeah, they found some debris, apparently. So it looks like 
it's going to have a a rather unfortunate ending, that story. Alexandra says travelling is her biggest passion. She couldn't imagine staying in one place for the rest of her life. I feel like I should travel as much as possible now as we don't know what's coming. She's heading off to the north of Spain to hike the Picos de Europa mountains on Saturday. Have you been, she says, have I feck, Alexandra, been in the Picos de Europa mountains? What do you think I am? I've been to Benel Medina and Torre Melinas. That's where I've been. But uh, have a great time, Alexandra. Hi to Claire, who says, I guess I won't see New Zealand again. That's my Irish friend, Claire. It's about 20,000 kilometres away. <laughs> Forget about it, Claire. You're going nowhere. Don says, Ireland is a testing ground for the New World Order mind fuckery. You got that right, Don. You've got that right in one. Absolutely. Paul has been on to say, Mr. Paranoid himself, Richie, re-challenging the climate narrative. I propose the reason we have had all of this unnecessary discourse about Holocaust denial is, is, is so that when this climate change narrative um, uh, comes around, denying it would be compared with the heresy of denying the Holocaust. A good point, Paul. It's a very good point. Yes. Holocaust deniers, in my opinion, are idiots, but hey, fair enough, we're all entitled to think what we think, right? But um, we shouldn't put them in jail, we shouldn't fire them or disassociate ourselves from them just because they deny a historical event. That's their right, isn't it? But uh, I see what you're saying, yes, climate denial. I don't know if they'll go as far as to fine people for climate denial, but I think they'll certainly try to get them off the internet. So there you go. Isabella's been in touch, who says the Irish guy isn't just mad, he's dangerous. That's um, John Gibbons. The moment the population becomes convinced that it is necessary to create allowances or rationing, says Isabel, the door is open to that concept. Full stop. In short, it will set a precedent. From that point, there's no stopping rationing on every aspect of our lives. From energy, food, water, to the number of children we have. Even the number of animals we have. The sky is their limit. Goodbye, democracy. Hello, communism, says Isabel. Very good, Isabel. Hi to Russell, who says, Richie, I live near Fishguard and I object to your description of my nearest town as a toilet. It's now the leading sewer in West Wales, says Russell. Wexford, on the other hand, has a lively casino, which I have frequented a few times. And he says he likes the show. Keep it up. Thank you, Russell. Of course, I was joking about Fishguard being a toilet. What I really meant to say about it is there's nothing to do in Fishguard, is there? So you get off the ferry. There's like one pub. Then you get on the coach and off you go to London or to Cardiff or wherever it is you happen to be going. Thank you for your messages thus far. This is your Richie Allen show. And it's uh, it's me, Richie Allen. Richie Allen. Um, I just realised that my, my Untouchables gag about hurling um, has gone down like a lead balloon. No, this is, this is what happens, you see. This is what happens. It's hit and miss when you do a gag. Hit, hit and miss. It's mostly miss for me. I, maybe one Irish listener will find it funny. Anyway, it is coming up now for 27 minutes past the hour. We will be joined shortly by Fiona Price. I think you'll really enjoy listening to Fiona. I enjoyed speaking with her today. She's a fascinating and a remarkable lady. She'll be with me in a moment. Keep those comments coming in via the app. You can download the app, as I said before. Listen, I put, um, we're going to be on, we're going to be in Vision, maybe as early as Sunday, and definitely next Monday, in Vision. Now, it's going to be boring. Do you want to see how it looks? I put a video on Twitter today. I put a video on Twitter to to pr- to promote tonight's programme, right? That's how it's going to look. You will probably not see the guest in Vision. 
you will probably not see any sexy graphics. You're just going to see a head and shoulders shot of me doing the programme. You will hear the guest beautifully. You will hear everything that goes out, the music, all of that. But it's pretty basic. And the reason for that is I don't have somebody to manage it. You see, when you run a streaming thing like I'm using StreamYard and you want to be changing the shots and dragging in images and stuff, you can't do that when you're presenting radio. You just can't do it and concentrate on your job. So you will get the live video thing, but you're going to have to accept that it's just going to be just that one image. But it looks nice and it sounds nice. And at the moment, I've never been as, as gorgeous as, um, as I am now. I'm looking particularly gorgeous. I don't know why that is. It could be the sun. It could be the fitness, all the running. But at the moment, I'm, I'm stunning, to be honest. I'm stunning. Right, Springsteen and what is it called? It's called Hello Sunshine. That's pretty appropriate today, isn't it? I'm delighted to say that Fiona is standing by. Um, we gave a big build-up yesterday, didn't we? We better give another build-up uh, again. Remarkably accomplished lady, currently travelling in Ireland, has been an international athlete in two disciplines, in, in equestrianism and in rowing, a serial entrepreneur, um, successfully. Of course, she holds a psychology degree. She is an author. She published a book last year called The Ultimate Relationship, The One With Yourself. Now, she's travelling around Ireland, or in Ireland anyway, with a remarkable mobile home, which is entitled Freedom. It looks fantastic. And um, while she's in Ireland, she's looking to establish a self-sufficient eco-community. I can't wait for you to meet her. Let's say hello to the programme to Fiona Price. Hey, Fiona, you're very welcome. Hi, Richie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I tell you what, first things first, let's have a big Yahoo that we got on air, that we got you on. That Thank God for that. awesome. I felt so bad yesterday letting you down. In you the, didn't. You know, you had to come up with a plan B in that moment. I was gutted. Not at all. Listen, it was my fault because I've got so kind of lackadaisical about doing the radio show is that when you proposed we do one of those clever testing things earlier in the day, I'm like, ah, look, it, it, it's never gone wrong before. That's foolish. Belt and braces I should have uh, tested. So I take complete responsibility. The, um, the mobile home, if I call it that, it's spectacular, Fiona. It looks absolutely fantastic. It's like it's like something you'd imagine. I don't know. Um, a famous actress um, travelling around in. It's got all bells and whistles. Um, we'll talk about that, I suppose, as we go along. But let's talk about you first. Um, I'm going to shut up, really, and hand over to you. Why? It's been a long journey for you over 25, 30 years. But why do you find yourself in Ireland now, travelling around, meeting people, looking to establish a community? What led you to there? Crikey, that, I know. Is, a life, where do you start? that is a life story. <laughs> um, yeah, where to start? I, I suppose I've always been quite driven. You know, I've always done passion-led uh, things, businesses, activities and so on. And I've been in perpetual motion all my life. You know, when I was in London, I, I didn't even have time to go to the loo during the day because it was just completely flat out. And I've had to make radical changes at certain points in my life to get the balance right. Because, you know, you can have a dream, you can have a vision and it's everything and you love every second of it. And then you can find yourself at some point down the line being a slave to your dream. And you have to sort of dream another dream. Um, so this has happened to me a few times. I was in London for 20 years. I was very full on, very sort of 
public facing and built a business from nothing. And it was incredibly exciting and wonderful. And then I sort of got burned out, gradually took myself to the countryside, which felt much more like my natural habitat. And over a period of years, maybe five years or so, transitioned from, you know, city professional to semi-feral. There I was living on 10 acres, an ancient 15th century um, homestead with my animals, renovating the whole lot, competing top level equestrianism and running an internet, uh, a video internet business at the same time. So I was in a different context, but I was still relentless. Um, and that was incredible. It was a real opportunity to experience um, nature, connection to nature. You know, I'd always been outside doing sport, but it's one thing to be outside busy. It's a totally other thing to be outside and have the necessity because of being in a microclimate of vile weather to connect with nature, to read nature, to understand nature. So that was a real sort of epiphany into what um, nature was about at a much more profound level. But, you know, again, I'd become a slave to that dream. And then I found myself about three, four years ago thinking, I've got to change my life again, you know. And I envisaged this thing which I call the third phase. And the third phase was going to be living abroad, something I'd never contemplated, reinventing myself, trying to get a different balance, um, exploring new interests. And I'd become very, very interested in sustainable living, in being out of the system as far as not dependent on infrastructure was concerned. I'd gone a reasonable way during the time living in Wales to achieve that, but not completely. Um, and also coming out of that city life, you know, it was important to live more economically. So the sustainability, the being out of the system, living much, at a much lower cost level, melded itself gradually over a period of time into the idea to do something that was a sort of co-living project that was sustainable in a different country. But I have to say, you know, I had to go through a real dark night of the soul before I came up with a plan. So I'd sold up two years ago. I was going to go abroad. Then all the madness was happening. And I didn't do any of the diktats. I knew what was going on. I'd been researching, you know, how our world really works for at least 10 years. Um, and so I felt grounded. You know, what do I do? I, I, I didn't want to buy. I didn't want to, to build something in the UK. I didn't want to stay in the UK. And so I thought the unthinkable, life on wheels. Now, I have never been a caravan person. I am not a caravan site person. And so in, in a way, it was my worst nightmare for a living experience. But at the same time, it gave me the flexibility and it, it enabled me to sort of sit it out in the UK to understand the geopolitical terrain and to know when it was safe to go without playing any of the games and also what the project was going to be and which country to do it in. And that bringing all of those things together really only happened about August last year. So it's been a year and at least I'm now in situ. That is some fantastic answer, right? So let's go back. So you, you do all the entrepreneurial things, you're hugely successful, you're motivated, you're high powered, you're running around. And you said about 10 years ago, you began to... To, to see or to think or to feel. Feel is probably a better way of putting it. At least it is for me anyway. When I had my realisation that something wasn't right about things, it was more of a feeling than anything physical really. Was there, was there something 10 years ago that made you stop and think, wait now, I, I understand the world to be, you know, free market capitalism or, you know, the fittest survive or I don't know, you work really hard and you get your rewards and then you retire. That's what we thought. What happened 
at the beginning yeah, of the 10 years yeah, that you, act- yeah actually there was something there was something um it was about 10 years ago as i said that i really started to investigate how the world really works in all ways and that started with two questions and the questions were why is everyone sick and the second question is, why is virtually everyone on a treadmill of subsistence, even when they have loads of money, they have high incomes? And that really started me down the rabbit hole, which, of course, became the rabbit warren. Um, and I'd always been unconventional. I'd always done my own thing. I'd always been a bit rebellious and questioning the, the status quo. But that was the sort of the big moment. And actually, I realized in that moment that education is what you give yourself. Real education is what you give yourself through your own endeavors, through your own research, through finding trustworthy sources. And, you know, that that made perfect sense to me because I'd spent, you know, all my life, as we all do in education, up to the age of about 23. I had a psychology degree. I had an MBA. And I thought, what a bloody waste of time all of that was. I really was so disappointed. It just felt useless. And I and I and I knew even at that age, at 23, that life experience was far more valuable. So in setting up my own business um, and becoming an entrepreneur, I decided to make up my experience every day. And that was just, you know, business school does not prepare you for running a business or it didn't in those days anyway. So I was rebellious. I was asking questions even then, doing things that hadn't been done before. But I think the sort of understanding and through the research of, as I say, the geopolitical terrain, um, the economics, the pharma, the telecoms, the the power structure, the vested interests, that really started 10 years ago. And so when the whole madness kicked off three years ago, you know, I, I was already attuned, uh, my antenna were up. And I had two more questions that came to me immediately. Um, and one was, why is nobody talking about about how you help yourself, how you boost your immune system and being very naturopathic all of my life. You know, I was already doing everything to keep myself healthy and my animals healthy. And the second question was, you know, being a wordsmith, doing a lot of writing, why is the terminology died with and not died of? What a question that is. We'll come back to that in a moment. Fiona's website is theultimaterelationship.co.uk. We will talk about the book and I'll ask Fiona, what does it mean, the ultimate relationship, the one with yourself, theultimaterelationship.co.uk. It sounds to me that you're an extraordinary person. It sounds to me that you were always a very spiritual and a very, um, yeah, let's say spiritual, let's stay with spiritual person who ended up in the madness of the city. Did you get yeah. what I'm saying? It sounds like it's not like you did it the other way around, that you were a high powered person. Always. That's how you were made. You were a big achiever. You were, um, you know, as a kid, even maybe always looking ahead to what you can do. No, no, it doesn't sound like that to me. It sounds to me like you were a spiritual person who ended up in the madness before you eventually got out of it. Well, yeah, wow, there's a lot to to pack into an answer to that. Um, between school and university, I went and spent a year in Australia. I was um, working at Timbertop School, which is the equivalent of Gordonston in the UK. So it's an outward bound school. And in the holidays, I traveled everywhere and I found myself at Ayers Rock, which, you know, the, the locals call Uluru. And I met an incredible woman um, who was doing um, the same 14 day tour across the desert that I did. And she had had every form of cancer going and cured herself largely through diet. And she really took me under her wing. And she said to me, you know, you are a sensitive. Now, I didn't know what the hell that meant. 
But actually, I think it just meant that, you know, I had a sort of an awareness of all the rest that there is. And that started me on a sort of spiritual journey, you know, and going back one step further than that, I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family, and I rebelled against the Orthodox religion the minute I could speak. So that was not me, but it also catapulted me on a mission to find something else. So then meeting this woman aged 17, 18 in the desert, and opening my awareness to, to, to other things. And then also coming back and doing the sport. I mean, I never thought of myself as talented, not ever, not even until maybe 10 years ago. I just thought I had the capacity to work hard. Um, And with the sport, with the rowing, firstly, I should never have been any good because I was way too small. But I learned, even in those days when sports psychology was not a thing, that if I was as good as I could be technically and I was as fit as I could be, then I could do the rest with visualization and willpower and actually creating strength, power, tenacity that was beyond my sort of you know, my normal means. And so that was a huge lesson in the power of thought. And that, again, started to to finesse the direction I would go in terms of spirituality. And so my whole experience with sport, with business, has been a sort of working laboratory to understand the power of thought and, and how we access our our innate abilities that we're all born with. I am not special. I have practiced and practiced and practiced certain things that we all have a capacity to do. So really, you know, my my journey spiritually has been, how do I leverage this innate toolkit that I have to get by on less sleep, to get to stay efficient and effective through 10, 12 meetings a day, to um, get more benefit out of my training? You know, I'd be doing my training and I'd say to myself, twice the benefit. And then when I got more confident, I'd say three times or four times. So I'd be using some sort of quantum attribute to tell my body what I wanted it to do that was beyond what should be expected. Yeah, I get you. So so we're on to something which is very important for for a lot of people who listen to this program. And that is the idea that you can shape the world around you positively, you can change it through the power of your mind and the power of thought. Now, the first time I ever experienced or came across this, probably two areas. One was the television personality, Noel Edmonds, talking about cosmic ordering. And then there was a book which was globally famous 20 odd years ago, maybe longer, a book called The Secret, which became very popular. And I remember it. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you read it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did read it, but it's a long time ago. And I have some... Well, no, I have more than some. I, do you know, I, I read that book, Fiona, before you come back in and it dawned on me reading it and listening to a lecture that Noel Edmonds gave many years ago, which I can't find on the Internet anywhere these days. But um, I realised that I had actually been practising this sub, subconsciously, that there were things I had found myself doing in life, like working in a bar in Spain run by and managed by my missus and realising kind of spookily one evening that this was something I had fantasised about as a young lad, like genuinely, and I had done nothing to make it happen, or at least I didn't think I had. Hadn't thought about it, hadn't worked up towards it. And all of a sudden I'm in a bar in the port of Duquesa and it's our bar and I'm thinking, how the hell did that happen? Little things like that. And I look back to seeing those lectures, reading those books. So I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in 
the ability to tap into innately into our thoughts and to make huge changes in in our lives. This is really powerful stuff now. And you you realise this because you said to yourself, well, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the strongest, I may, may, may not even be the fittest, but I am succeeding in sport because I'm tapping into this, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to what you were saying about finding yourself in um, the bar, I, I w- we'll talk later about um, the whole sort of art of manifestation because I think there is a process. Um, but I think, f- you know, it starts with synchronicity. It starts with noticing. Um, and many years ago when I was sort of just starting to open myself to all of this, I sort of put out to some other, um, you know, uh, uh, multidimensional facet of me or, or something outside of me and I said, show me. You know, because so many times in my life I'd had incredible synchronicities, which I would have called coincidence. But there there comes a point where you have so many coincidences, you can no longer say they're random events. They become synchronicities. And so at that point, I said to the universe, whatever else that there is, show me, prove it to me. I need to be absolutely sure about this and um, show me in a way that I will understand and almost the minute I had had that thought, I was out driving driving wherever and I started to see far beyond uh, random number plates that had my name, my initials in and all my data, some, some numbers from my date of birth. Oh, wow. And this has happened all of my life, but it happened massively the minute I asked. And so for me, that was a way that I saw, that I understood. And even when I wasn't asking on a journey, you know, when I looked up, I would still continue even to this day to see number plates that had my, my initials in. And so when you think about that, how many things had to happen to create that moment when I was on the road that somebody who planned their journey however long ago, who got up in the morning and drove off at exactly that time was going to pass me so that I would see that, I would just have that experience of proving that there was something more. And so from that moment, from that realisation, I then started to play with it and use it. But you have to have enough um, in your own experience for you to say maybe there's something here. Explain that. Enough in your own experience. You mean that this is not something that's going to just dawn on somebody out of the blue. They will have had to have experience of it before. Is that what I, you mean? I, yeah, I think personal experience is really important. I yeah. mean, you can read a book, you can watch a TV programme and maybe that would stimulate um, the, the thought that I'll look out for things in my life. Right. But I think that you have to have some sort of personal experience. Um, I mean, I can talk, uh, here's, here's another thing. So um, in starting to learn the power about the power of thought, um, I, I just thought, well, okay, I'll experiment. I'll actually try it for healing things. So I would have a knock, I'd walk into something or I'd have a small cut and I would use the same visualization that I used in sport on my body. I would actually look at the cut and I would look at the other hand maybe that wasn't cut and I'd superimpose in my mind's eye the the heat, the normal bit of skin over the bit that was broken. Or I'd imagine an army of little people knitting the thing together. Or I'd imagine the blood turning to treacle. And I found I could heal very quickly uh, an accident like that. Um, and then I had a, a major accident. Um, so not having practiced any more than on cuts and bruises, at least I knew that there was something in that. I amputated my finger. And that was a bit dramatic. How did you do that? Um, 
sorry. How did you do that? How did you manage yeah, that? Yeah, in a, in a horse accident, nearly all of my injuries have come from horse accidents. Um, I rotated it off. Basically, the finger got caught between the horse's head collar and his bridle as he came down the ramp from the trailer. He was still tied up. I'd forgotten to put you know, to do something. He swung around. I went to grab him and my hand got caught between the bridle and the head collar and it just rotated the whole bloody end of my finger straight off. Sounds horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. horrible. I looked at it and I thought, oh, F word. That's not easily fixed. (laughs) Drat. Yeah. yeah. What am I going to do? I mean, the the, the, the thing you're supposed to do is find a bag of frozen peas, chuck the finger in and get to the nearest accident and emergency. But you couldn't do that. No, 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 no. I didn't. And I was I was an hour away from hospital. So it was actually it came off the bone and it was hanging on by about a tenth of the um, tendon. So I put it back over the bone. And that's actually a bit shocking when you see a bone because it doesn't come to the end of your finger. You've got a pad at the end and it's absolutely brilliant white. So I I just, I handed my horse to somebody. I gave somebody else the keys to my car and I found somebody else to take me to hospital. And I visualised like hell the thing clotting. And within maybe five minutes, it had stopped bleeding and the blood was like treacle. And I then focused for that whole journey to the hospital on anaesthetizing it and cleaning it. Um, and it healed completely. I have total functionality. The nail grew back and it is absolutely um, as new. It took about 18 months. So um, that was a really fascinating, mind-blowing experience. And I later had an experience with a horse who um, fell at a fence that I was riding and um, he partially severed an artery in his knee now if you have ever seen blood coming out of an artery it is shocking beyond belief stuck my hands on his leg everyone's running around like mad nutters and going to get the vet and within five minutes the blood within my hands on his knee was thick like treacle it was clotting up yeah, so, so you know, it, it's just that you you need to have at least, I think, some little experiences that set you on a path and then you look for information, then you try things and then the thing grows. Yeah, because I think, I, I get that. I also think if somebody is listening to this today and they want to try this, I I, I would reckon they would have some success with it. I, I, I speak to a couple of different energy healers, two of the most genuine gentlemen that anybody could ever meet. And they're convinced that with belief, you know, with somebody applying belief to it, like, you know, trusting in themselves and in the fact that might, you know, the fact that it that, that it will work, it'll make some difference. It will do. I'd love people to be listening to this now. Try these some of these methods that you've described around little injuries and things. I'd love to hear back from people. So I would, yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I and that's the way to start. But it's not even. It's not even conjecture, it's science. It's hard science that has actually proven that what we think and how we think actually affects our biological structure. And if you, you know, you can think the most extreme example of that would be um, spontaneous remission. So spontaneous remission is a situation where somebody who has maybe a fatal disease or a a terminal illness and they're on their last legs and they're going to die. They've been told they're going to die. And they make a miraculous full recovery, maybe overnight, maybe in days, maybe in weeks, maybe in months. And doctors all over the world know about it. They see these things from time to time and they call them miracles. Actually, they're just starting to investigate the science of it. And I don't know why it's taken so long. But to me, that is a situation where somebody was faced with a a life or death decision. 
They had no other options. They were out of every option, out of every treatment, and they chose life. And in that moment, I think what happens is that you create a situation of balance in your cells, right? So any disease is imbalance. When you have balance, you cannot have disease. So in that moment of absolute will to live, they, they create a balance within the cells that puts the immune system into, you know, 100% functionality, sufficient for enough time to get rid of the disease. That's my take from, from the metaphysical studies and stuff I've done. I, I haven't seen that proven, um, but there's certainly plenty of science that shows that how we think affects our biology. I think you're bang on and you might be aware of, I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed now because I don't have it to hand, but the NHS ran one experiment several years ago. In They ran an experiment into energy healing. You'll probably be aware of this. And um, they, they, they concluded, the doctors who took part in it, that um, not only was there something to it, but it had worked. It was working on people. You know, the, the, the patients knew and had given their consent to, be, um, to work with, with energy healers. And ultimately, energy healers will tell people that it is the person themselves doing the healing. Um, which is touching on what, what you're saying there, Fiona. Can I just remind our listeners who they're listening to? Um, because this is fascinating stuff. You're listening to Fiona Price. Fiona's been an, an international sportswoman, successfully, hugely successful businesswoman. Um, she's an author. She had a psych- psychology degree. She's been on a journey well, for more than 10 years. But really, in, in, in 10 years, she's been talking in the last... Um, 20-25 minutes about the power of thinking, about having a relationship with yourself, about thinking and using your thoughts to to change not just um, your circumstances but ultimately the world around you. She's written a book called The Ultimate Relationship, The One With Yourself and you can find out more about that by going to theultimaterelationship.co.uk Can I read you a comment? The comments are flying in, right? This is a live yeah, yeah, please. radio show. Ron says and they're all loving this, by the way. Ron says, I've had similar synchronicities where you can be reading a book, but not really reading it, watching the telly, but not really watching it because you're in a kind of a hypnotic state while you're thinking about problems. So you have a book in your hand or a TV is on there, but you're really not totally tuned into the book or the telly. Then bam, says Ron, the answer comes out in the text in the book or in an advert even on the television. It's a bit like those old 3D dot books where if you bird your eyes, suddenly a 3D image would pop out. That's from Ron. Very interesting. Can I actually pick up that? Because that is really interesting. Um, I am, And it, this is part of the process of manifestation. You have to be in touch with your instinct. So Ron is obviously very in touch with his instinct because instinct is the best sat-nav we have in life. Now, the problem is we're born with it, but the, the, the education system, society... Uh, social conditioning, it sort of pummels it out of us and it values intellect over instinct. So everything is about intellectual, is about instinct, is, is about logic, not about instinct. And so if we're lucky, we realize that instinct is very valuable and we have to find ways to reconnect with it. So if we are in a state of balance, then we are connected to our instinct. If we're not in a state of balance and we have negative emotions or we're fearful or whatever, then we're not connected to our instinct. So noticing when you're in balance or not in balance and doing something about it is absolutely vital to being in, in connection with your instinct, to finding, to, to discovering those synchronicities to take you where you want to go. 
Really good stuff. Joe Eleanor's listening. She says the placebo effect is self healing. That's a good point Eleanor makes. And again, I've had guests on this program before who would maybe think similarly to Fiona. And they would say this, like when the doctor says or when somebody says it's a placebo effect, well, it is healing. That's an amazing thing, isn't it, Fiona? We've seen this over the years when somebody has been given something that is effectively nothing. It's just an empty husk, you know, purporting to be a tablet and they take it and they recover. It is because they believed that it would work and would help them. But that's an absolute, if, if ever there was proof, if ever there is proof that what you are saying is true, well, that is it really, isn't it? Let me let me tell you a story. Um, you're absolutely right. My, my firm belief and experience is that um, we are responsible for our own healing. However, if we have to be in a state of balance in order to balance our cells, so emotional balance, cellular balance, healing, we all are different and we need to do different things to help us get into balance. For some people, that's allopathic. That's conventional medicine. For some people, that's naturopathic. For some people, it's meditation or whatever. So I wouldn't ever poo-poo, you know, whatever works for somebody to help them get as balanced as possible so they can then heal themselves. So, yes, I mean, you know, um, placebo is definitely healing. But part of the healing process is also about instructing your body, um, using your voice to instruct your body as to what you want it to do. So um, I've been big on affirmations all my life. And when I was writing the book, I was thinking, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And I remembered, you know, and we're talking the 1960s, for, for goodness sake, my father, and, and this was a time when affirmations was, again, not a thing. He would say to himself in the mirror every day before he went out to work, every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. Now, I thought, crikey, my father in the 60s said that. So I looked it up um, in researching for the book, and I found that he had been a chemist by training. And there was a, a, a very um, inspired chemist 100 years previously who had proven that every time he, dis he, he believed that a lot of illness could be cured through thought. And so every time he dispensed a prescription to his customers, he gave them an affirmation. And the success rate or the healing rate, the rate of healing in his particular customers way exceeded anything from any other pharmacist. Fantastic that, isn't it? I mean, that is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, we something that's come up from time to time on this programme is attitudes of older doctors as opposed to doctors today working under very stringent conditions and rules and regulations. I mean, some of what you're saying to me, not not a lot of it now, but some of it, little bits of it, I can remember from, you know, a very senior family doctor 35, 40 years ago when I was a boy. You know, a doctor who wasn't prescribing medicine when you went to see her, but who was giving you, like your dad, affirmations, telling you to get out and embrace nature, hug a tree. Amazing stuff, really. From, you know, from. Absolutely. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, I was just going to say that. Um, um, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah. Instructing your body. Um, still to this day, I do it every day um, in the morning as part of a number of affirmations that I that I do. Um, and so I would say, and this is something listeners might want to try or create their own version of. Um, my biology is 100% balanced. My chemistry, my physics is 100% balanced. My emotions, my hormones. So you can make a long list. But the act of saying it out loud somehow 
enhances the whole effect because I think there is a vibration from the sound that goes into your ears that actually amplifies the benefit in your cells, something along along those lines. So yeah, affirmations spoken out loud are very, very powerful. They are a launching pad for new intentions. Fiona, do you need to complement the affirmations with a decent diet? Because it sounds to me that you could undo much of that work that that um, work in your mind by eating crap, let's say, um, smoking stuff that you shouldn't be smoking and um, and maybe drinking heavily. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think that um, for my part, I mean, I've been mind- very, very minded about what I eat and drink because of all the sport over the years. So I'm super, super pure about that and very disciplined. Um, but actually, um, you know, the, here's the thing. If you don't think about how you eat and drink, right, and and what you put into your mouth is the simplest, quickest way to help your health, you are in control of that 100%. If you don't do that, you create problems within your body. So yes, maybe with um, mental instructions, vocal instructions, you can override that, but it takes more effort. So my feeling is um, that if you... The, the, the best approach to health and getting what you want in in, in life is to try to create um, a, a place of homeostasis. So what's homeostasis? Homeostasis is where your body functions completely perfectly, where you have all of the vitality and energy you need and you never have to think about it. And then you can use all of your thought, power of thought and all of these other sort of metaphysical things to do what you want to do in life and to make a difference to the world. So why would you put a handbrake on that by eating shite and drinking and abusing your body? Good question. Gavin says in his experience, using kinesiology alongside affirmations (coughs) makes them or helps them to work hundreds of times better. I'm I'm going to be honest, I, I know the term, but I don't, I've had no experience with kinesiology myself. What do you reckon, Fiona? Yeah, I love kinesiology. I've used it a lot in the past and he's right. So w- what it is, is that it's, it's a form of um, energy balancing the meridians and the, uh, the different energy pathways in your body. And what it does is it uses muscle testing. So it uses your own innate intelligence to actually tell the practitioner what's out of balance and, and how or what to do to put it back into balance. Balance. So, for instance, you might have you're lying on your back on a, um, a bench and then the practitioner will put something onto different parts of your body and ask you to push your arm against theirs and see what resistance it is. And you would be staggered because you'd think, oh, that's easy. I can easily push that. But when they press in a certain place or put a certain food on you or a certain chemical or something, you have absolutely no power in your arm and your body is telling you very directly exactly what the problem is so kinesiology is your own inner intelligence your own innate intelligence helping the practitioner to heal you lovely message from kelly we've got um this is terrific folks fiona price is on the line do please check out the website theultimaterelationship.co.uk and uh, do pick up a copy of the ultimate relationship book because in the book and fiona was kind enough to send it to me um she discusses these themes and expands on them and there's a lot of her own personal experiences and her own life journey in there as well theultimaterelationship.co.uk this is brilliant from kelly 
Um, Fiona's very inspiring, Richie. I could listen to her all day. I will listen to this interview twice. She says, I'll listen to it again later. I've manifested hell and heaven, says Kelly. But I have experienced a freaky level of the law of attraction, synchronicity and telepathy with my partner. She says, one day I was listening to an interview and HP Lovecraft was mentioned. So I wrote it down on a post-it note to remind myself to go and get a HP Lovecraft book. Later that evening, my partner arrived with a present, a second-hand copy of a HP Lovecraft book. I shit you not, says Kelly. Now, if you call that coincidence, you know, pull the other one, right, Fiona? Ah, absolutely. But I mean, she's obviously so in tune with her partner, which is wonderful. That is absolutely beautiful. Um, let me just make a, a comment about, um, she said about she's manifested heaven and hell and the law of attraction. So here's the thing. Once you start to understand the power of thought, you have to be careful what you think. Because what you're focused on, what you're strongly focused on, whether it's fear of something, fear of not having enough, fear of failure, fear of whatever, or whether it's something that you really want to bring into your life, whatever you're strongly focused on, you will bring into your life, whether you want it or not. And so this whole process of starting to use the power of thought actually requires you to notice what you think and how you think and where you trip yourself up. And tripping yourself up usually comes from programs that you've taken on board from society, from your parents, from education, from your friends as to what they think you can be, have or do. So you have to really start to be able to to unpick the programming that keeps tripping you up and maybe brings into your life repeating patterns of the wrong relationship or the wrong boss in order to replace them through affirmations or other means with the things that reframe your thinking so you can actually start to attract what it is that you want. Now we're going to talk about the Earth Collective in a moment because time is flying. It's already eight minutes past the hour. Fiona Price is our guest. But I'm going to read this from Isabel. It's long, but I'm going to synopsize this as much as I can because I was listening to you, but I was also reading it. Um, she's loving this, is Isabel. Um, her, her most mind-blowing synchronicity last year badly cut her thumb after a glass broke in her hand. Huge, uh, ugly and deep cut. Too scared to go to the emergency ward. Few days later forced to go because it was infected so she took a book in case of delays she had been reading several books at the same time so took one randomly now of course there was a delay she was eight hours in in a and e read the book here and there just here and there ended up having an x-ray to see if the glass had shattered inside the wound she says in which case the doctor would have to dig it out she was terrified of that the x-ray showed there was glass she was terrified in her mind she was thinking nobody is touching my thumb she told the doctor that and he went away for a second opinion here's the synchronicity she was scared to death picked up the book turned to a page and there it was no one will touch your thumb that is how the next page started <laughs> how did the universe manage to make that happen the right sentence wow. at the right time brilliant brilliant stunning stunning what a manifesto she is yeah and she said she had to go back and read it two or three times because she didn't believe it herself and there it was in black and white um it turned out okay in the end anyway uh they, look they're, they're flying in these messages with similar experiences there's Sam has been on to say that Bruce Lee has spoken about similar things uh, during during his particularly short life. Loads of comments coming through the website as well, richieallen.co.uk. But we've only got Fiona for a finite amount of time today. 
I think she might come back on again in the future. But today, t- tell us about this idea. Um, because look, you won't know this, right? But a, a theme that has come up from time to time on this programme is there is a dystopian agenda in play. There are those who would make life very miserable for us and unbearable and intolerable. So people have come on this show in the past, Fiona, particularly in the past two and a half years, wondering, can we create parallel societies? Can we make communities for ourselves where we can basically exempt ourselves from their tyranny? Now, I, I, I'm not preempting anything you're going to say. I don't know why, and you're going to tell us now, you've had the idea to, um, to look at creating a self-sufficient eco-community. Why and how is it going to be possible? Yeah, I, do you know, I think um, I just pick up on something that you said there. I don't think we should be acting out of fear. I think it's absolutely vital that we know what's going on. And there's so much out there now that it's almost like we know what's happening. And actually where we're at as a humanity for me is now we need to build a world we actually want to live in. So I think there comes a point where you have to say, I don't want this, but what I want to do is create something that is positive and wonderful and beautiful and isn't running away from the tyranny. It is simply replacing the tyranny. That's very subtle, but I think it's important to really to notice if you're doing something out of fear rather than because it's something that is by far preferable. I get it. So, yeah. So, 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 so anyway, but the, the thing for me is that, um, partially the sustainability so that actually that just makes sense. You know, you, it it costs less money. It's better for the environment. Um, it's a fun thing to do with other people, but also I go back to what I was saying before about homeostasis. It's getting harder and harder and harder in the toxic world we live in to live in a state of homeostasis. The water is toxic. The air is toxic. The food is toxic. Everything is toxic. And so, for, and, and so doing the best you can with your food isn't always enough. Actually, you probably need to grow it because then you know it's not GMO'd and it's not, you know, it's as good as it can possibly be. So that's one aspect of it. But also we live in spaces that don't support our health. They're square, they're edgy, they're full of um, electromagnetic frequencies and um, electrical circuits and things that basically diminish our health and well-being instead of supporting it. And so part of the project is to use something called biogeometry to create shapes that, um, that, that I think the definition of biogeometry is the science of quality. So this is creating spaces that um, change the quality of your experience emotionally, spiritually, um, and health-wise. So they, it changes the invisible things, but it's also proven science. So the project will be sustainable and it, that will will come from building partially underground and partially overground um, in terms of minimizing the um, the energy you need for heat and so on. So let me just focus on that for a minute. If you think of the earthship idea, that is like a hobbit house. So if you're building out of the ground and if it's not p- possible to build out of the ground, then you cover the back with earth and you create an earth burn. You have heat from the ground. That heat uses a process of natural physics to come in to the building when the building is at a lesser temperature than the heat of the earth behind. Then 
where the building comes out of the ground, you have glass. That glass brings in heat from the sun. So you have so if it's pointing in the right direction, you have thermal heat coming from the earth, you have solar heat coming from the sun. That creates an ambient temperature, which immediately requires less energy to heat. So then what energy will you use for heating? Well, I feel over the next few years, we're going to start to get um, free energy coming on tap. And I'm sure y you know all about it, Richie. The the whole sort of free energy thing has been kept from us as a humanity since the time of Tesla and no probably doubt. before. No doubt. Yeah. And, and I think that there's so much happening now, people creating all sorts of things. I mean, you only have to go on YouTube and see what people are doing that, you know, with... Uh, with the cosmic disclosure that's going to be happening and that is starting to happen now, I think that these devices are going to come on tap over the next number of years. So my feeling is I want a holding position. That holding position might be using the power of water. It might be using some wind power. It might be using some photovoltaic panels. Um, but in due course, I feel that there will be other things that will be um, what they call zero point energy. So that comes from the space between things. It comes from the ground, it comes from the air, and it comes from the void between things. Um, and it's already there and it's already proven. It's just being kept from us by, you know, the unholy alliance of bad actors. And your so, job, can I, can I, can I interject yeah, there? Because, because yeah. it, this is a difficult ask for you. The ask is to, to share and you're doing it anyway, share this information with people, but in a way that their eyes don't glaze over. I've, I've yeah. struggled with this myself over the years because I know that what you are saying is true. But for many people, it's <laughs> fanciful. It's almost science fiction, isn't it? It's like, what's well, she talking about there? You know? They don't have to. They don't have to go there. They can just understand that yeah. with everything that is currently available and that people are used to. My plan is to be entirely off grid, entirely out of the energy infrastructure. So, um, you know, so, so that's the plan. Then you've got recycling of, of grey water through reed beds. You've got um, purification of water um, and enhancing water using various things, including implosion devices. Have you come across that? No, but I'm fat. But just before you tell us about implosion devices, <clears throat> um, how bad is the water that's coming out of people's taps. I mean, even if it isn't fluoridated, which it isn't here in Salford, but I'm guessing it's pretty bad, isn't it, water? Well, I'm not a scientist and I and I don't test water, but from yeah. everything I've read and researched, yes, yes and yes. Yeah. And not only that, it has it's full of um all of the 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 stuff that is is toxic you know fluoride is a is an industrial toxic waste product um but it also now has nanoparticulates coming out of the sky from the aerosols they're spraying yeah. the chemtrails so it's it's full of things that are not designed to go in your body and give you health but it also doesn't have um movement in it anymore because it goes through pipes that are right angles and so on and natural water that's health giving moves and whirls and swirls so it has an energy to it so basically um the implosion devices are one of a number of of ways in which you can change the structure of the water to be health giving so i have on my unit on my rv um, an implosion device on the in pipe of the water before it splits and goes into you know the different places in the unit um, and what this does is it uses quantum physics and again it has plenty of hard science behind it 
So inside this lovely copper coil that's attached to the in-pipe just with some um, uh, cable ties, there is water that's coherent. Now, we need about 20% coherent or structured water in our bodies to support our immune system. This, this is what I understand. And when you go to the sacred spas in the world that have health water, you know, uh, healing waters, the, it, it's healing because it is structured. So the water in this coil that's attached to the in-pipe has structured water in it. And through quantum physics, the energy field, the structure within the, the, the coil is superimposed onto the water that comes through the in-pipe into the unit. So actually, although it's not taking out the particles that shouldn't be in there, it sort of renders them harmless. This is my understanding. Um, and it also takes the taste away. So I have various devices I use. That's one. And I do several other. I have several others. And so I stand the water that I'm going to drink onto these other devices I have in the unit. And if I put it on these devices for long enough, the taste completely changes as well. So it's not only structured it, which makes it health giving, but the taste of chlorine has gone as well. So there are so many things out there that are science, but they're quantum physics. Um, and, you know, we have alternatives to um, the conventional things that are offered to us for all manner of things. Sarah has asked a question, which is, um, it's, um, it's only right that I put this to you. She says, Look, um, Fiona sounds like a very privileged lady. So when she decides to go off grid, I'm guessing that costs money. And we are in the middle of a cost of living crisis now. And it's not going to be so easy for people who just don't have the money today. How do you respond? To I suppose we go back to where we came in and we, we you know, manifestation. Is that is that where we go? Well, yeah, absolutely. But But, you know, I'm not privileged in any other sense than I've worked and grafted for what I have, which was a property. And I sold that property two years ago. Um, and I've bought a very Swiss unit, which is an expensive unit, but it's a bloody cheap house. So basically, um, you know, I will be putting the money that I've had from a property into another form of property in due course. Now, you know, if somebody doesn't have um, assets because they haven't owned a property and they don't have capital, then, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a question of actually um, finding some other way and using the power of thought and manifestation to create a solution that is that that that, that is different. So we don't know what we don't know. I mean, as long as you are really strongly focused and you're passionate about that end place, maybe you'll meet a group of people who um, who are doing it a different way, who are um, doing it in a, in a in a much less expensive way, or who have an established community and have a need for you to swap your skills for accommodation. I don't know. We don't know what we don't know. We don't but, know, you know, yeah. my solution would be different to somebody else's for sure. Tell us about travelling in Ireland and your experience. I mean, I'm sure you knew Ireland before your most recent visit, but your experience of how Ireland is now three years down the road from the COVID nonsense and... You know, Ireland, to me, as, as somebody who would have said for a long time that he was a proud Irishman, I'm very proud of my heritage and my tradition and the history of my country. But I see a very tyrannical place at the moment. I see somebody mentioned on the programme earlier when I was doing a news roundup that Ar Ireland is almost like a testing ground for the 
elites who want to completely take control of our lives in terms of some of the, some of the things going on there. What what has your experience, Fiona, been? Uh, you, you know, since your most recent kind of return to Ireland. I didn't know Ireland before. I've only ever been to Ireland once or twice for a couple of days. So I didn't know Ireland. I intuited Ireland um, and came to a specific part of Ireland that I had also intuited. Um, but let me try and answer your question. I don't think there's anywhere that isn't under tyrannical um, control. So I think it's a question of relativity. I do agree with you that Ireland appears to have been a testing ground, perhaps in a similar way to New Zealand. You've got a very lovely people um, who are very trusting in their government and who have been compliant um, and sparse population. So I think, yes, it has been a testing ground. But I have to tell you from my experience of being here for the last few months, it's taken a few months to really get under the skin, to really feel the energy of the land, to actually feel the culture and it is beautiful. It is beautiful. When I came to Ireland, I wasn't sure whether it was going to be Ireland or Portugal, Portugal or Ireland, Ireland or Portugal. And I had to get to that point where I was really committed to Ireland in order to be able to manifest what I want from here, because you can't manifest um, your vision if you're not committed. Anyway, let me tell you, the first getting off of the ferry, the experience immediately was, where's all the traffic? where's all the people? And, you know, compared to the UK and everyone I met at a campsite or anywhere in the bank, for Christ's sake, I mean, in the UK, if you go into a bank, it's like going into a flipping hornet's nest. In Ireland, it was easy to open a bank account. The people were lovely. Everyone has time for you. They smile. And it made me realise that the UK has such pressure of people and pressure on people's lives that it's become a bit the sort of rats in a cage scenario and it's aggressive. And even one small difference, there was a lot of road rage that I experienced in the UK, none in Ireland. You're saying none so because that, I go along with the UK road rage. I see quite a bit when I'm on the road. So I'm, you're absolutely, I, I will endorse that. But you're saying you don't see any. Back, no, back home. That's absolutely, absolutely none. So, so let me tell you other sort of um, observations, because for you as an Irish person, maybe that's interesting because I'm seeing it with fresh eyes. Um, the towns are lovely. I mean, OK, you know, they're not they're not um, affluent. There's many that a local would say are dying, but they, there has not been the rape of the chains. They're full of independent shops. They're full of um, beautiful old shops with, you know, old signage at the top. Um, every, every town is interesting. Um, then you've got just the land. The land is so beautiful. Oh, no, no. Let me go to the, back to the banks. In the UK, it's a complete nightmare to get cash out. It's a complete nightmare to, you 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 know, they want to know what you're going to spend your money on. In Ireland, there's a notice on the cash machine in the bank saying you can get 1500 euros out of this machine. Then there's another machine that says you can pay in cash. So and, and I have I use cash everywhere because that's my protest against the whole digitalization of, of our world. But, you know, I can't imagine how a culture that is so ingrained in a cash economy would ultimately um, take on the digital cash, the digital money agenda that, that eliminates cash. That's one observation. Another is the um, the land. 
Am I boring you? Shall I, shall I continue? <laughs> you're, you are hardly boring me. I'm fascinated. I've not been home in 20 years. And you're talking right. about something very important. The government here plans to introduce a central bank digital pound in the next couple of years. Banks are disappearing off high streets. Post offices are closing down. I learned that a particular post office in Salford, which uh, isn't too far away from me, um, might very well be closing down in the next six months. This is hugely important. If we, I believe if we lose cash, Fiona, um, I don't yeah. want to be negative, especially speaking yeah. to somebody as overwhelmingly positive and as yeah. educational as you are. But I think if cash goes, the game is over. Yeah, I don't think it will. I, I really think there's quite a big pushback now. And so many people are saying, use cash, use cash, use cash. Um, and I see that every day. Um, in the UK, it was much more difficult to use cash. People would say in shops, we don't take cash. And it was like, well, uh, hang on, that's legal tender. That's discriminatory. Why don't you take cash? And in the end, you just had to walk with your feet and go somewhere else. But here, everywhere takes cash. Um, so I don't know. I, I have hope in that. But let's just move sideways onto the land because I want to tell you something really profound about the land. Um, firstly, I noticed because I cycle. So, so cycling for me is fantastic for seeing what it's like on the ground and how people live and the animals and the microclimates. And that's helped me really narrow down the area I'm looking at. But the cows are either eating the beautiful Irish lush grass or they're lying on it, getting the energy from the ground. I think they do nothing in between. And I've never seen that before. Then you've got the absolute vitality in in the in the land and plants out of every nook and cranny. Um, and the green is like almost a luminescent green. Um, and it is so, so alive. Gaia here is so alive. And one of the reasons I came to Ireland was that I um, stumbled across some channeled information uh, many years ago, channeled from a spiritual source, a non-human spiritual source called Cryon, K-R-Y-O-N. Wonderful, wonderful information about so many things, about our DNA, about our politics, about our economics, but also about the land in different parts of the world. And what was said about Ireland was this. So everywhere on the planet, you have three grids, you have the magnetic grid, which we understand in physics. You have the Gaia grid, which goes from the surface of the planet right to the centre of the Earth, the core of the Earth. And you have something called the crystalline grid. And the crystalline grid is an esoteric grid that holds the energy and the experience and the emotion of humanity. And that is what you tune into when you go somewhere and it doesn't feel very nice. Or you go somewhere else and the energy feels lovely. Now, there's apparently several anomalies to this layout of the three grids on the planet. And mostly they're at sea. And, and this information said that one of them, for instance, was the Bermuda Triangle. But the only, I think it was the only, anomaly on land is Southern Ireland. Now, what that means is that there is no crystalline grid. There is only the magnetic grid and the Gaia grid. And the Gaia grid is everything to do with nature. So the, crystalline, the absence of the crystalline grid in Ireland has two impacts. One is um, 
that there's no that the energy everywhere, the land everywhere, and this is in my experience since I've been here, feels so light and beautiful. It doesn't hold the trauma and the bloodshed and the and the um ang- you know all of the negative stuff from probably centuries of battles of and, turmoil. Um, That's a, this yeah. is really interesting now because yes, because if the if the walls and the trees and the land, as you said if we believe, and some people do, retain some semblance of um, echoes of all the things that happened there, good and bad. This is fascinating now, you saying that you don't think that Ireland retains no, I don't. It, it feels to me light everywhere. And the information said that the absence of the crystalline grid means that there's no retention of all of this bloodshed and battle that has gone on for centuries, if not millennia. Um, so anyway, the other impact is this, which is really fascinating. The Normally, the crystalline grid has um, an influence over the Gaia grid and that it slightly suppresses the raw power of the Gaia grid. And it is so powerful, the Gaia grid, because it goes from the surface to the core. It is just massive. So because there's no overlay, there's no filter to that in Ireland, you get this massive vitality and vibrancy and green and, and life in the ground and everything that, that grows from it. And also you get... Um, So you get the divas and the elementals and the energies which people describe as little people, fairies, whatever, you know, um, works for them. But that is real for so many people in Ireland. Even the politicians know about the little people. They've seen it. It's in their reality. They feel it. So I, I love that whole concept. And to me, it does resonate. And I and it's one of the things I thought, gosh, if I could do a project in Ireland, wouldn't it be fascinating to work with that? And the last point on that is that this, this information from Cryon said that because of this and because of the connection of the Irish people to the land, that the potential, one of the strong potentials for the role of Ireland on the global stage in the future is to become a leading producer of superfoods. This is an incredible, this is a live radio show. There are people listening to the show all over the world. I'm not bragging, they are. Um, Irish listeners are coming at me in force in big numbers here. Gabriel says, um, listening to Fiona there, recent Irish independent headline. Wow. Shops and cafes could be forced by law to accept cash payments and he sent a link to it now that's fascinating why would the irish government be going against the grain unless there's something else going on something something spiritual something esoteric something that isn't physical because the irish government is enthralled to brussels it's a fiefdom of brussels in my opinion i should say essentially but yes gabriel is right there there seems to be some promise to preserve cash in in the country and that's no bad thing fiona obviously it's a great thing yeah, and I, and I think there's kickback from farmers um, starting in terms of the push, as in Holland, to cull 60,000 cows a year, is it? Um, I read recently. I mean, just ridiculous numbers. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear synchronicity? Um, yeah, go on. Um, this is amazing, really. Jenny says, does Fiona know about the Irish government's plan to cull tens of thousands of cows? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Just it came in as you were saying it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> which which is a death. There's a lovely man who I interviewed many, many, many times over the years. Um, his name will come to me in a moment now. It's it's coming to the, this is my end of the week. It's beautiful having you on because you've kind of taken over, really. I, I, I should be done for trades description act uh, because you've basically presented this program today. <laughs> but um, um, John Perkins, of course, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, an amazing gentleman who worked um, as an agent of the World Bank in the 1970s to convince third world countries in Central America to take loans that they would never be able to pay back so that they could be raped and pillaged then by the biggest companies on planet Earth. Now, he's a good guy, even though he did he did bad things. But he he would love listening to you, John, and, and I'm sure you, you would love speaking with him. But he describes it as a death economy. He says, we inhabit a death, D-E-A-T-H, not death, D-E-B-T, economy, and we need to move to a life economy. That's wonderful That's the way he puts it. Beautifully put and absolutely, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. The comments are flying. Jim is listening. Good evening, Jim, who says we can't all go to live in Ireland, unfortunately. No, but they're taking everybody these days, Jim, it would appear. Um, just um, adopt an Eastern European accent and maybe you'll get in. I don't want to sound like I'm because I'm not anti uh, immigration. I, I understand what's going on. I'm a migrant myself. Um, John says, come home, Richie. Um, I, I've not been home in 20 years, Fiona. I've not been back in 20 years. And Alice is listening to this, who says, I'm absolutely gobsmacked listening to Fiona. Um, number of listeners, where can we find more? On Fiona's website, there's a blog. Um, she puts articles on the website, theultimaterelationship.co.uk. But there is a link to where you can buy The Ultimate Relationship. Um, the one with yourself, it's called Insights and Epiphanies of a 21st Century Woman. I recommend the book. You know, I don't recommend very much on this programme. In fact, hardly anything. So I recommend you check out the book. Go to theultimaterelationship.co.uk. People absolutely loving this. William says that, that you're right. He agrees with you. Every nation is like a Petri dish these days. Ireland isn't exclusive in terms of the tyranny. So um, huge interest in this, yeah. I'm, I'm very uplifted by this. It's great to talk about these things and not talk about how pretty awful everything is. <laughs> because it isn't, is it? I mean, you're experiencing this yourself in Ireland. Everything isn't awful. There's some wonderful... Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 the truth is it, it, it's, it's grim, but we get to a point where we know enough and we just need to now take action and we need to be as dispassionate as possible and watch it as if we're in a theatre watching something play out on the stage in front of us. Because otherwise, if we get embroiled in the emotion of it and the fear and the panic of it, then that's what we're going to create in our own lives. So we have to know what's going on because that informs the decisions we need to make. But we have to step outside of it and actually say, what do I prefer? What do I want to create in my own life? It doesn't have to be what I'm doing, but everyone in their own life has things that, that they can do that, that they want to create for themselves. And the other thing I, I should mention is that this is the age of Aquarius. There is such a big energy now towards people working in groups for whatever purpose um, that, you know, gone gone is the time of working in splendid isolation. The power of coherent thought and of what we can achieve, you know, the, 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 the um, the result being greater than the sum of the parts is really, really um, the wind is behind our back in this sense now in groups. So whether the groups are 
to take action in a certain way or to create something that is different. There are so many um, things happening now which are being um, instigated and run by groups of people working together. And people can tap into them. Um, let, let's do five more minutes because I, I'm a firm, we, we've had a lovely chat. I'm a firm believer. Less is more. Leave them hanging for more. I'm going to invite you back <laughs> on. I'm a firm believer. But before I do that, I want to read you a comment. Again, you talk about synchronicity. So I'm a pretty good listener. So I picked up when you said that you rebelled against an orthodox Jewish upbringing. Now, a friend of the programmes is a lady called Angela Lambert. Angela is Jewish. And she says, I'm, I'm really inspired by Fiona. I've ordered the book for myself and for my sister. She says, I've had a dull ache at the bottom of my abdomen for several weeks and I've just tried to heal it, as Fiona suggested when you talked about dealing with the little knocks and the bumps and the, and the pains. It's gone. It went in minutes, <laughs> says Angela. Yeah. And just that Mom. connection, Angela being Jewish and you having the Orthodox Jewish background. So that's that's just lovely, isn't it? Yeah. So thanks for that, Angela. That's um, that's, you know, I'm not uncheered up. I'm not I'm in great form today, but that's got me smiling um, ear to ear. And Lucindell asks for you to talk more about Cryon, but I think we should leave that for another programme. I, I, can I just say what they can do, what anyone who's interested do, can do is go to www.cryon.com and look for the free audios because they go back to 2012 and they're awesome. And that would be a place to start. Fantastic. Can I wish you the continued success in your travels in, in Ireland? I'm kind of I've not gone back. I had a love hate relationship with Ireland growing up in a, in a, in a very difficult environment and not I'll being get. yeah you know and not being looked after by people and I got out as quick as I bloody well could and kind of didn't look back really but I still maintain a lot of love for my country and the people of my country so I don't but know I hear, you, I hear you're off to France um, Richie that the future Mrs Allen aka El Frogo Tremendo yeah. um, is from France and that that's where you're, yeah, that's your destination she's done her homework folks she's done her homework <laughs> it, 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 it might be yeah Caroline is from Nancy and for listeners who don't know where that is it's in the northeast of France it's beautiful there um, yeah we think if we make one final move it might very well be France I used to think France's basket case Fiona it really was basket case in 2020 but in reality it's getting basket case here this is not to be negative now because you've heard some very positive information today but you know it's, it's going to be difficult and challenging wherever we end up and um, yeah France definitely I, we think in the next couple of years maybe unless what what is what's that saying I somebody mentioned it to me the other day man or, or woman makes plans and God laughs or the universe laughs so who knows but that's the plan anyway yeah Listen, thank you very much for having me and thanks to your wonderful listeners for all their fantastic comments and questions. And to the brilliant and amazingly talented speaker. I mean, you're talented, right? Uh, I mean, the only equal I've met when it comes to you in terms of achievements, your equal is, is my pal Jean-Anne Crowley, who's been successful in several fields as well. You met Jean-Anne in Ireland. Jean-Anne... I did. She's stunning. I met her a few weeks ago. Wonderful, wonderful. synchronicity there. She wouldn't shut up about you um, and said, you've got to get Fiona on. So, so uh, thank God we did. But um, I look forward to the next time. And uh, thank you for sharing your time with us today, Fiona. Thank you so much. What a fantastic lady, Fiona Price. Do check out the website I've mentioned already, but I'll mention it again, theultimaterelationship.co.uk. Find a link to the book there, The Ultimate Relationship, The One With Yourself. And there is a blog, there are videos, and there are some wonderful photographs 
um, Fiona has shared on the website um, to do with her travels, not just in Ireland, but in the UK as well. Lovely to have her on. Thanks again to Jean-Anne Crowley, my great pal, for the recommendation. Might make Jean-Anne the, uh, I don't know, the honorary producer of the Richie Allen radio show. So so wrapped up in what Fiona was telling me, I haven't even dug out, haven't even dug out a track, but let me dig out a track now. And... Um, It'll give me a moment to have a drink of water. When I come back, I'll read out more of your comments because there are many of them. The time is coming up for 19 minutes to the top of the air. Thursday's programme with me, Richie Allen. George Benson, give me the night on the Richie Allen Show, Thursday's programme. Yeah, that was great. That really, really loved it. Seamus has been in touch. Seamus Connolly. Hi, Seamus. Who hasn't heard of the spirit of Ireland? I always feel the connection when on home soil, reaching up through the body and fueling the soul. And Seamus has lived in Salford, Manchester. Uh, him and his wife, his partner, maybe. Seamus, remind me. Um, they're going to be making a move. They are making a move to um, towards the Peak District where it's going to be beautiful, they'll be in a very rural setting. So um, we wish them all the absolute best there. Sarah asks, can we have affirmations for others? Um, I don't know, Sarah. Maybe you can. I don't know. Denise says, switching to a digital currency would be disastrous. It would be manipulated. Just how the public were manipulated these past few years. Uh, Total control of our lives would be gained by the elites. The times we are living in where everyone is in a rush, impatient and wants everything to be convenient. This has helped the plan along to cashless. People can't be bothered to queue anymore or count out money to a cashier on a till. Sad times, says Denise, but we are supposed to see this as convenience and progress instead of seeing the boot on our necks. That's an excellent comment. Well done. And thanks to Dave who says, Richie, it's been fascinating stuff this evening. Worth the Patreon, Patreon, he says. It's worth supporting the show just for this show. Thank you for that, Dave. And that uh, reminds me to play this. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Only if you can. And if you can't, well... Don't worry about it. Linda says, thank you, Linda. Fiona sounds lovely and so spiritual. She has the optimism of someone with the luxury of having a few quid behind her and the privilege that comes with that. Sadly, the realism of being a poor person through no fault of their own in debt is pretty grim. Kindest regards all the same. Linda, I hope your circumstances change and I can't tell you just how much I mean that. And Lawrence sent a message in earlier on um, just remember to, um, to, to to mention it. Lauren sent a pretty sad message in earlier on. He says, Richie, can you ask everyone to send us their energy to, to help us keep our home? And that's from Lawrence. And that saddens me. Um, it really saddens me. So, Lawrence, I don't know. All I can think, I can close my eyes and, and say, I hope w- w- with all that I have, with all the energy I have, I hope that you do keep your home. And it reminded me of a Vox Pop, not a Vox Pop, but I think the BBC or was it Times Radio? Was it GB News? They're very different or they're not really different. Of course, they're the same. We're, we're in Manchester today to speak to people who would be affected by the increase in the interest rate. The Bank of England raised 
the interest rate by a half a percentage point. It's 5% now, the 13th rise in a row. And it means for many drastic increases in their mortgage repayments and it's going to hurt people. And I talked about it at the beginning of the programme. For all the great reset, which it is, the technocratic society, they want to, to, to herald in and all that means for people. Along the way, they are enriching themselves by hoovering up real wealth, which for me is property and land. That is what they are doing. They are doing it in front of our eyes. So Lawrence, good luck, pal. That's all I can say to you. Good luck and I mean it. I mean it. And um, when I say I understand poverty, I've experienced it. I experienced it growing up when when I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of it because I don't want to do it because I've done it before and I don't want to bring myself down. But I experienced it growing up and I experienced it as an adult. That genuine fear that I was going to be hitting the curb. It's horrible. I, I You know, worse things can happen to people, of course, but there isn't a greater fear that I've ever known. I don't fear dying. I thought I might do until, I, you know, a few weeks back they told me you might have lung cancer. And then I thought, I didn't fear dying. I feared, I worried about what the missus would do. Now, she's an independent, strong, intelligent woman. She'd do just fine, I reckon. But that's a fear I had. I thought, I wonder how she'll do. You know, with everything that's coming down the line, that's what I meant. Of course, she'd get over it and she would get on with her life and would be able to look after herself, of course. But I thought, would she be okay with everything that's coming down the line? Because we're a partnership, really, aren't we? Soulmates. You'll have your soulmates, won't you? Of course you will. And that's what I was scared of. But I wasn't actually scared of dying because we're all going to die one way or another. At one time or another, we will die. We will leave this spacesuit, as some people call it, and then we will go somewhere else. Our energy will manifest itself somewhere else. At least that's what, what I believe. Sam reckons Bernardo, somebody or other, Castrup, would be a guest on the holographic realisation of ourselves. This is interesting. You, you will have heard in the UK of the toughest headmistress in the country. That's the title they've given her. Catherine Burblesing. I used to interview Catherine when I worked for Talk Radio Europe. She's become very well known now as a no-nonsense, tough-talking, put-kids-in-their-place headmistress. <laughs> right? I don't believe in putting kids in their place, to be honest. If we had children and we homeschooled, we would um, teach them how to read and write and how to do numeracy, mathematics and, and, and what have you. But we would encourage them then to spend a lot of time being creative in, in an artistic way, running around like loonies, enjoying themselves without too many rules and regulations. Now, I know you're going to say, Richie, I've got a child, Richie, you don't. You're an idealist. In reality, you'll be running around after them, screaming at them, threatening to smack the arse off them unless they do what they're told. I take that point on board. But um, in my idealistic vision of looking after children, that's what we would imagine. If, if we had a child, he or she would be homeschooled and they would spend a lot of time being free, being themselves. So this Catherine Burble thing, she's very anti-woke. She's a very good value. She won't speak to me on this programme. I understand why. But she used to be a regular guest on Talk Radio Europe more than 10 years ago. She said to the Telegraph newspaper today that it's not just cats 
and other animals when it comes to children identifying as weird and wonderful things a child she's aware of a child who has identified as a hologram let me bring it up because this will drive me mad I have a little bit of time hang on how do you spell hologram again okay H-O-L-O-G or A-M Burble Sing Burr Bal S-I-N-G-H Lovely Yes, here it is, the telegraph. I know of a child who identifies as a hologram, says Britain's strictest head. Now, this might be an incredibly in-tune child. This might be a child who actually knows what's going on. (laughs) This is a child who might be reading the books of David Icke, even though the hologram or the holographic universe theory isn't David's theory. And David never claimed it was his theory, to his credit. But it's been around for many years. The, the, the idea that everything we, we experience, the physicality of our experiences, are not really physical, they are holographic. And that it is an illusion. We're real, but what we are is infinite consciousness. And everything else is holographic. It's something we are experiencing. Um... There are two or three ways of looking at that. It's a prison, is one way of looking at it. And there are those who believe that maybe some future version of ourselves, because time isn't linear, maybe created the hologram, maybe. But I don't know. I, of all the theories I've ever read about us, about why we are here, the big question, the big why, why, like why, what is this all about, this crazy experience that we call life? I like the holographic universe theory. It makes more sense to me than any other theories. But I, even saying that, I couldn't explain it. But it makes kind of some kind of weird and wonderful sense to me. Anyway, hi to Gavin, who mentions kinesiology. I might get a guest on, Gavin, to talk about kinesiology. I'll have a look into it, yes. It is the summertime. I, I think the summer is is always a great time to to dive into the nature of reality and the esoteric and healing and all of that. So, um, so yeah. Hey, while I've got a moment, let, while I've got a moment, let me remind you that there is another show. The Richie Allen Show airs Monday to Thursday, but there is another show. It's called Sunday Morning Melodies. It's on every Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time. It is a music show with old school music, some stories, a little bit of crack, and a lovely chat, because I always feel great after it. Sunday Morning Melodies with the BBG on richieallen.co.uk You know I paid a lot of money for that. To get a song jingle done, you've got to pay some good money. I had to pay quite a whack of cash to get the song jingle. I'm so proud of it. You've got to have a song jingle. Don't you? There's no point in being on radio if you don't have a sung a sung jingle. So Carol says a holographic world would explain how easy it is then for synchronization to take place. Thank you, Carol. I suppose it would really. And Marta and Lind- Martin and Linda in Spain have been listening and commenting. Good evening, Martin and Linda. And Martin says that is our theory too, is that it is holographic. And Bill says the holographic universe by the author Talbot, was a famous book. He died a few years after he wrote the book, says Bill. Thank you, Bill. That's right, that rings a bill. And John gets the last word. He says, I think they'll make cash worthless with hyperinflation. 
In 2008, we were hours away from cash machines shutting down. This is how the CBDC will trap us. That's John. John, thank you so much for your message. And thanks to everybody who uh, sent in messages and comments this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Paul Ripley for all of his help today in setting up the video stream for the show, which is really only a day away. He's coming back tomorrow, Paul. We might do it on Sunday. I can't imagine how boring it'll be for you. And I'm not just saying that. I really mean it. It's going to be a single shot. If you want to see what it looks like, there is a video on Twitter, on BBG Richie on Twitter. It's me talking about today's show. That's all you're going to have, is that face on. And I just, I jested earlier on about being stunning. I'm not the greatest looking guy in the box really so you're going to have to look at that for two hours if you want to watch it you'll be able to hear the show in wonderful stereo but um, the only image you will have or the only video the only moving picture will be that one static shot of me I mean Jesus it, it sounds very play misty doesn't it it sounds very play misty I don't know thank you so much to Fiona Price Really enjoyed listening to Fiona. Thanks, Jean Ann. Uh, TheUltimateRelationship.co.uk. Check Fiona out if, if you like. Do check her out. Here's Bob Seeger. Bye now. Jen is tired of her inhaler. Wish she moved here from back east. 